This program is brought to you by the Assembly of Geeks, geek content for a geeky world. Visit us at assemblyofgeeks.com. Since 1977, Star Wars has been shaping this galaxy and the one far, far away. Both the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy tell the complete story of the Skywalker family. But when Lucasfilm was acquired by Disney in 2012, it gave rise to new movies, new characters, new theories, new discussions, and most importantly, new podcasts. Welcome to Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hi, and welcome to the show. Hi. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Charlotte. And we are so excited to be on our very first episode officially with the Assembly of Geeks Podcasting Network. We're so excited because not only do we get to have more shows every other Saturday, every other Saturday. I know. I can't believe it. I know, me neither. <laughs> We also changed our name from Sky Talkers to Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. So by adopting this new three-part format and so we can get really deep into discussions, mm-hmm. we, you know, we just we decided to call it This Galactic Life, kind of a spin-off of This American Life. We couldn't be more excited to be a part of the AOG uh, networking family and we have had so much fun getting to know Scott and Jeff and Emily and all of their team over there and we're actually on their uh the Geek Directive earlier this week, this past Tuesday's episode. So you can check that out too if you want. Um, But for this first episode, uh, we did a lot of brainstorming about what we wanted to talk about for this first episode. And we decided that since maybe we're going to be having some new listeners, we wanted to kind of reintroduce our love of Star Wars and um, specifically our loves from all of the trilogies. So this episode is going to be broken up into three parts, which is going to be our new format going forward but the first part we're going to be talking about the original trilogy and the second part we're going to be talking about the prequel trilogy you know personally my favorite yeah and the third part we're going to be talking about the sequel trilogy and really we're going to be talking about our favorite moments aspects uh, aspects the music um, different themes and story arcs and character arcs throughout each of these trilogies so hopefully you'll get a little bit of a better idea of some of the things that we love about the entire galaxy Mm -hmm. far, far away. And why we love living this galactic life. Part one, the original trilogy. Welcome to part one, the original trilogy. The original trilogy. The (laughs) O-G-O-T. Yes. (laughs) So Caitlin, what's your favorite part of the original trilogy? Well, could you ask a bigger question? Yeah, I could. (laughs) (laughs) And you just did. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I think to start off our discussion, I'll talk about my favorite movie from the original trilogy, which is Return of the Jedi. That movie is so fun, and there's so many... You get so much payoff in that movie. You get the payoff of Luke, of Vader, of Leia, and Han. That's true. Everything does come to an ending that is very Mm -hmm. satisfying, and an ending that we were very satisfied with for... 30 plus years. But clearly not satisfied enough. um, No. (laughs) 
Yeah, but I think what I love most, and and if you listen to the Geek Directive, you know that my all-time favorite episode or character is Luke Skywalker. And in Return of the Jedi, you really get to see all of the hard work that Luke has put in into becoming a Jedi Knight. And he is a Jedi Knight. One thing I love about the original trilogy is the character arc of Luke. Um, It is, I think, one of the strongest aspects of any of the trilogies, at least that we've seen so far, and really of any of the spinoff films, okay, the one spinoff film. um, (laughs) That we have so far. That we have so far. And the Clone Wars, even. Although I will say that Ahsoka's character arc, I think, is is pretty developed Mm -hmm. when you compare it to Luke. Definitely. But I think... You know, I think this is my favorite aspect of the original trilogy, that we get to see Luke's character arc so much. I think that it's really interesting. We were talking about this before, but that if you compare the rescues mm. in the in the beginning of A New Hope to the rescue of Han at the end of Return of the Jedi, the beginning of Return of the Jedi. You really the end, see a difference. Yeah, it's so different. It's so calculated. Like, Luke is, like, perfectly... It's a really good comparison point, actually, to to uh, illustrate the development of Luke's character because in A New Hope, when they're rescuing Leia, he doesn't really have any plan. He just, you know, his excuse is, but she's the princess. You know, that's his excuse. And once he gets to the prison cell and he's like, I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here to rescue you. And then has no idea what the next step is, and Leia has to bail them out. Yes. Um, but then you get to Return of the Jedi, and... Luke is as cool as a cucumber. He mm-hmm. is not phased. He's got a plan, and I'm sure he had a backup plan too. Um, and it, it's so great to see how these movies developed him and moved his character to the place that we see in Return of the Jedi. It's just, it is so funny because people do complain about how Luke in A New Hope is so whiny, but the payoff of the Luke that we get in Return of the Jedi, and hopefully the Luke that we get in The Last Jedi too. Oh. He's yeah. still my heart. What is is so great because we get to see him develop and see what he's learned about his journey after he meets Ben. It's just amazing. And that is one of my very favorite aspects of the original trilogy. My favorite Star Wars original trilogy movie is Empire Strikes Back, kind of because you're in between. You get to see Luke grow a lot there as well. That is something that I really love. If yeah. He makes these decisions that are one of them is the wrong decision, mm-hmm. you know, and he, I, I don't know, it's 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 well, he, so good. He walks, well, that's the thing about Luke, he always, and that was part of the difference between him and Anakin, too, mm-hmm. is that, I take that back, they're both ruled by their emotions, and you definitely see that from Luke in both A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and, and Yoda even says, you know, you can't save them, and mm-hmm. Luke says, but they're my friends, friends yeah. you know, and I think that's what Anakin would have done, too, except... The difference with Luke is that he had such an innate goodness in him, and he also had the training of Yoda and Obi-Wan, and I think took it to heart in a way that Anakin didn't. Yeah. Um, So even though he made the wrong choice, in the end, he was still, you know, he was a Jedi like his father before him. Mm -hmm. The good part. The good part. The good part. (laughs) He was a Jedi. He was a Jedi. Selfless. Not a Sith. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know. It's interesting, and I think that is... I really do believe that the Luke arc is the strongest point in the original trilogy and is something that, you know, when people compare it to the other trilogies, I suppose they want a strong character arc like that. Instead, in the prequel trilogy, we got an anti-arc, basically. Yeah, a backwards arc. Yeah, and I know that that was uncomfortable for some people, but with Luke's, it is, you know, people grew up with Luke. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because you can't grow up with Anakin the same way no. that people grew up with Luke. Luke. No. And so it's going to be interesting with Rey because Rey came to such a elevated skill in the Force very quickly mm-hmm. in, in The Force Awakens. Um, it was very immediate for her. So it's interesting to see what her hurdle is going to be. Definitely. We'll get more into that yeah, when we, we discuss will. We will. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So what is your favorite music cue? From the original trilogy. Yeah, I mean, we can't talk about Star Wars and not talk about John Williams. No. The maestro, the master. Um, This is easy for me. Binary Sunset is iconic, and Mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful scene. I think it's perfect. Yeah, it is. It's so, it's, again, a really great character moment for Luke. These moments that I love in Star Wars so much, and it is, like, one of my favorite things when this happens, when George Lucas or said director does this, um, when they lower any sort of dialogue, there's no dialogue, and you just hear the music and you see the emotions of the actors, and with the music overplaying ahead, it really trusts the audience, and it's something I really, I don't think we should take for granted, and I think that Mm -hmm. is one of, we know so much about Luke from that one moment. Yeah, well, I think it goes back to who George is as a storyteller and what his strengths are. Mm -hmm. George has always been about visual storytelling and sounds through Mm -hmm. music and through sound effects like a lightsaber. Sounds and visuals are some of the most iconic things from the Star Wars universe that he created. And in that moment, you have Luke, who at this point his image is iconic you've got that beautiful sweeping score you've got the twin sons of Tatooine which are you know at the time were just so incredible to see something that imaginative and different yeah and different but at the same time like we know what a sun looks like yeah like they're completely relatable Mm -hmm. and so you just have the image of the sunset and the music and it tells you what you need to know about Luke and you feel that same longing and it's, it's perfect. You know, the distinct icons that we see in Star Wars is another one of my favorite aspects of the original trilogy. I think that the colors, the darks, and the lights really are so, for lack of a better term, iconic mm-hmm. that you understand who the bad guy is, who the good guy is. And, you know, even with Han Solo, I mean, you're you're a little initially confused about whether or not he's good or bad. And his his clothes tell you that, too. They're kind of in between yeah, dark and light. He's got the light pants, it's but the, the dark, dark vest. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it all is relative, the yeah. visuals. Yeah, everything comes together. And Lu- uh, Lucas, Luke, Lucas, <laughs> George, had a reason for why everything looked the way it did. And I think this is something we'll be touching on in the other segments as well. But the role of the the government, of the governing body in the different Star Wars trilogy affects how that universe looks at that specific time Mm -hmm. i don't think i shared my favorite music cue oh you didn't you didn't share it please (laughs) you know i have a couple but i probably love the princess leia theme is amazing and the way they interweave it into han solo and the princess i love that yeah um and luke and leia's theme luke and leia's totally underrated so underrated (laughs) and so beautiful and powerful it is we love it. I, I mean, I, I love the original trilogy. I, who doesn't? I think we're all here because the original, <laughs> the original trilogy. trilogy is awesome. It's so funny because if you look at just the original trilogy as three separate movies, the one that, you know, people always go back to, I think, is A New Hope because it can stand on its own. Yeah, it absolutely can. But that's the weird thing, too, is because George already had the whole saga, if you will, planned out. Mm -hmm. But yet, A New Hope was made in such a way that it could stand on its own on the off chance that he wasn't able to make the other films. For sure. I've always, I'm an English major, and we always talk about how, like, 
you should trust your your reader by like placing him right in the middle of the story you just have to place trust in your viewer your audience member your reader and I've always loved that George Lucas and I've always used this as an example too in class <laughs> that George in Lucas Star Wars <laughs> yeah George Lucas had always trusted his viewers enough to drop it right in the middle of the story right in the middle of the action like literally right in the middle of the action yeah right yeah I think that's great and I think he does that again in the prequel trilogy yeah you're kind of thrown into this situation yeah situation with a capital (laughs) s yes you know (laughs) but George Lucas absolutely trusts his audience and I think that's part of what makes it so exciting totally you're not handed but again that goes back to the visuals it's Mm -hmm. the visuals that let you know who is good and bad I know and and the the great thing is that George evolved that idea to that in the prequel trilogy you know everything looks really nice so you don't know who's good Mm -hmm. or bad yet but We're definitely going to talk about this more in the prequel trilogy section. <laughs> we definitely are. We might have a problem with getting ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> I think, of course, this doesn't wrap up everything that... The original trilogy. I'm sure, you know, all we do is talk about Star Wars, so we're just going to come back always to the original trilogy. Yeah. But we do want to know, what is your big moment from the original trilogy that really connected you to this universe totally you know for me i think it really was luke on tatooine and the binary sunset and that's just something that's seared in my brain yeah and we want to hear about it so why don't you contact us on twitter and <laughs> why don't you do that just do it just do it <laughs> Part two, the prequel trilogy. Welcome back to part two of Sky Talkers This Galactic Life, where we are gonna be covering the prequel trilogy. Yay! This is Charlotte's favorite trilogy. <laughs> so I'm gonna let you start off our discussion. What is your favorite movie from the prequel trilogy? Revenge of the Sith. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked about this before, but I'll talk about it again. How (laughs) When will Charlotte not Not talk talk about this? I had seen the original trilogy previously when I was like nine or ten years old. I saw The Phantom Menace in theaters when I was like five or six, and I cried during the pod race. We don't really talk about that (laughs) moment. (laughs) And then I had to be taken out. She had to be removed. Removed, yes. My dad and I saw a bunch of movies together, and we went to go see Revenge of the Sith on opening night. And I was so excited, so enthralled by it. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a whole world involved with this. It was, you know, totally eye-opening. I was so excited. Because of that, Revenge of the Sith really does hold a special place in my heart because I think it's overall just a really great film and has so much emotional depth. Revenge of the Sith was your moment with a capital M. It was my moment with a with capital a Star M. It, it, it convinced me to be a fan and it made me realize that this world is so rich. Mm-hmm. And um, so intense and meaningful that I had to talk about it for essentially the rest of my life. (laughs) I've been a Star Wars fan now longer than half my life, and it's because of Revenge of the Sith. Thank you, Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) So what is your favorite prequel? All right. This is going to be a little crazy, so just, like, hear me out, okay? (laughs) I think my favorite prequel might be Attack of the Clones. (laughs) I'm so shocked by this. I know. I so am I. So am I. I think it's because I I really love the chasing of Obi-Wan and Anakin and Sam Wessel. I love that part of the movie. I look forward to it. I think it's 
one, hilarious. <laughs> and two, I, I just, I love getting to see the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan uh, be a little bit more lighthearted, but also kind of serious. I think it's interesting to see Anakin fall in love with Padme. To, to fall in love with her in person and not just who he remembers and yeah. imagines her to be. Interesting. Which I, which I still think he, I think to a certain extent, Anakin doesn't even really get to know Padme like he yeah. should. He's just kind of projecting how he's dreamed about her for the past he's 10 obsessed. years. He's obsessed. Yeah. Okay. That would just like tied it all up nicely. Yeah, no, he he's is. Obsessed. He's I, obsessed. I remember writing a blog post on the old StarWars.com blog posts about oh, the wow. difference between, yeah, about the difference between obsession and love in Attack of the Clones. I, I love Anakin and Padme. It's my favorite ship, but I understand. It's it is an, obsession. It's interesting to examine. It is. It's really interesting. But then you got to talk about, you got to think about what Padme ultimately I know. It's not ends one-sided. up being in Anakin too. Yeah. It's um, an her, escape for her. It's a yeah. difference. It is someone who takes her out of her, like, high-charged political life. Mm-hmm. And someone who, like, she finally gets a chance to, like, calm down. And that's why that's a reason why she falls in love with Anakin. She gets to take a chill pill. And, you know, Anakin does, for some reason now we're talking about their relationship, but <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> you know, Anakin does, they, they reflect each other. Anakin is super high-charged, and so is Padme. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they they have that in that's why it, so it doesn't really work because they don't they're not like opposites. It's like that Justin Timberlake song, Mirrors. Oh, yeah, it is. Like you're my mirror. <laughs> All right, I'll never singing again on this podcast. I apologize. Padme is one of my favorite characters, but you know, it's interesting that you like Attack of the Clones. I think that a lot of people wouldn't really see that. <laughs> I think a lot of people don't. don't. No. I, there's a weird pacing with Attack of the Clones, but I, it I, is. I like it. It is. So the prequels were the first Star Wars movies that I saw, and I think I mentioned <laughs> this before, thanks to Charlotte, obviously, um, but it wasn't that I disliked the prequels. It was just that I liked the original trilogy more. But then when we went back and rewatched, when we did a marathon in Machete Order, which long story short, you watch episodes four, five, two, three, and then six, and then seven now. But that gave me a whole new perspective on the prequel trilogy. And that combined with the Clone Wars really was a turning point for me to understand just how crazy detailed and tragic the prequel trilogy is that George created. I mean, people always talk about how they wanted the Jedi to be this really strong, like powerful army, basically. That's how people, that's what people were expecting when Mm -hmm. the Phantom Menace came out, right? And what George did is he turned that whole idea on its head and he showed us a Jedi order that was on the breaking point and about, about to collapse. Totally deeply flawed. So deeply flawed. And I think I'm I'm bringing it up. Midi-chlorians. <laughs> Midi-chlorians. Midi-chlorians. <laughs> you know, people always jest at midi-chlorians, and, like, I get it. They're kind of funny. But hear me out on this, okay? So the midi-chlorians, because the Jedi are so clouded by the dark side, Emperor Palpatine, in his Sithness, he is physically severing the Jedi's connection to the force to the point where they're not able to adequately or properly sense when a kid is force sensitive so mm-hmm. they've had to put into practice things like midi-chlorians because 
They just can't do it on their own anymore. Mm-mm. And the sad part is that they don't even... So clouded. They're so, so clouded. clouded. The sad part is that they don't even realize that that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like, oh, we're using midichlorians now. No one says, well, why do we have to use midichlorians? Uh-huh. Well, they're just so rigid. Like, the Jedi are just so rigid. Like, even mm-hmm. you see that with Anakin is too old to be trained. He's like nine years old. Like, come on. He's just a baby. I know. And, like, okay, we see what happens to Anakin. <laughs> but it's not just because of himself it's because of all the surroundings around him too everything was against him and you know he was against everyone else too I mean yeah it was really complex Mm -hmm. it wasn't just one thing it was all of these things building up the politics of the prequels have always been so interesting to me too and like once you understand them and once you really get into them you realize like wow this is so complex and that's awesome yeah it's so tragic Mm -hmm. the fall of the jedi and before before i kind of became more learned about the prequel (laughs) trilogy i remember okay so yoda in the prequel trilogy used to annoy me which I, that's like the second sacrilegious thing I've said uh-huh. so far. Yeah. Um, but it used to bother me how he would always be like, it's so clouded. The dark side clouds everything. And me, a new Star Wars fan, I'm sitting over here thinking, okay, but like, aren't you the most powerful Jedi in the galaxy? Shouldn't you have a little bit of a better idea about what's going on here? No. But he, and that used <laughs> he doesn't. To, he doesn't. And that used to bother me. But that's part of the tragedy is that Sidious is so calculated and he is so good mm-hmm. at what he does that he is he's making Yoda look bad. Mm-hmm. Totally. Which is crazy. And it's so funny because like the, the Jedi are so clouded. They don't understand what's going on. The downfall of the Republic is among them. The rise of the Sith is there. It's right in front of their face. And they don't see it. You know, and even in Attack the Clones, you know, again, this is another pro of Attack the Clones. Oh, thank you. I know. Um, Obi-Wan, when he's on Geonosis, being held captive by Count Dooku, Count Dooku legitimately tells him everything. Yeah. That's going on. In confidence. And Obi-Wan's like, that's not true. You're wrong. (laughs) That's not true. That's impossible. Like, exactly, though. It is. Wow, another parallel. Oh, beautiful parallels. <laughs> a beautiful parallel from George Lucas himself. <laughs> well, going back to the Clone Wars, I think that is such an important part of really bridging the gap. And I think some of the disconnect, too, that people feel between episodes two and three, the Clone Wars does so much to further illuminate the the tragedy of the Jedi Order and mm-hmm. really highlight the things that they're doing wrong, too. Not just what City is doing but also that the jedi is kind of blind to their own faults Mm -hmm. as well and this isn't very important to the main story but the clone wars is so sad yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) well okay think about this the first time i saw revenge of the sith right you get to order 66 and all these clones start shooting at the jedi and you're like wow that's really sad Look at all these cool Jedi. Look at and all now these cool all Jedi, dying. and now they're dead. Like, that sucks, but all right, we're moving on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 2009, right? So a year after the Clone Wars has been out, Charlotte and I watch Revenge of the Sith again, and I see Plo Koon flash across the screen, and I go, oh, my God. Plo Koon is dead. Plo Koon is dead. Little Soka. Plo Koon. He just got shot down. The Clone Wars really did add so much weight to the prequel trilogy Mm -hmm. you learn so much more i mean like you learn so much more about the clones and how they're raised and what the ethics of that yeah and and it goes back to like should the jedi have even 
use the clone army. If you're not watching the Clone Wars... You have three days until it leaves. You have three (laughs) days days until until it leaves Netflix. And you need to go and you need to clear your schedule and you need to watch it. Yes. Okay. That's our advice to you as Sky Talkers (laughs) is to go and watch the Clone Wars. Or just buy it on DVD. You could buy it on DVD. Mm -hmm. You could do that too. Okay, but we touched on this in our last discussion about the original trilogy, but this idea of the government deciding how the universe looks Mm -hmm. and how in the original trilogy it was a very oppressive government, so everything was, you know... Very stark. Yes. Yes, and very very dirty and, like, used and... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas in the prequel trilogy, you don't know, you know, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so everything is very colorful and lush and everyone is, you know, a little bougie on chorus not um it seems like everyone is doing really well you know Mm -hmm. despite all the war these people have like nice shiny speeders (laughs) and they go to dinner very ornate yeah it's very ornate complicated yeah but then everything like we said before is about to crack Mm -hmm. um you can't judge a book by its cover right and i think there's something so cool in how george set that up yeah it's it's such a difference i can't even I understand why people were so confused by The Phantom Menace when they saw it in 1999 because it is so different. But now that you have the completed trilogy, how can you not love the addition of the prequels to the original trilogy and the whole Star Wars mythos overall? No, exactly. George is so specific in what he does. He had an absolute reason for why the prequels were supposed to look different. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to look different because it was a different time. And he wanted the visuals to illustrate how kind of screwed up everything was. Mm -hmm. And how, like, you you can't judge a book by its cover. You can't judge a society by its shiny speeder bike. No. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) Or, or like, its weird hairstyles. Yeah. (laughs) You can't. And there is... That's so specific and necessary to the story that George was trying to tell. And I mean, you could argue, and I think we we do, is that maybe that's not the story we all wanted. Yeah. But that's the story George wanted to tell. And in that vein, I think he did it really successfully. The prequel trilogy took risks, and I think we can all respect those risks. Yeah. So, Caitlin, what are your favorite music cues in the prequel trilogy? Okay. We're Okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's like, I knew you were going to ask me this. And I still can never pick. Battle of the Heroes is fab. But Duel of the Fates is like the moment in The Phantom Menace. Yes. You know, that's what you watch The Phantom Menace for is Duel of the Fates. True. I think Duel. And I I think that's one of the most played things now. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Someone dug up, might have been David Collins, but he dug up a interview where George was talking about, or it wasn't an interview. It was like a documentary where George was talking about how he wanted to incorporate Duel of the Fates into what he had in mind for Episode 3, the last battle between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And it's funny that you mentioned both Battle of the Heroes and Duel of the Fates because they're so similar because of that reason. Yeah. Because he wanted to incorporate that kind of operatic thing into Battle of the Heroes. It's like, it's very reflective and yeah, it's cool. Yeah, well, I mean, even then, Obi-Wan is fighting who at the moment is his greatest enemy. Yeah. In Maul. Mm-hmm. And then... The Return of the Sith. And then, uh, in Revenge, Revenge of the, the Sith, Sith it's like, his greatest enemy has now become Anakin. Uh, yeah. Oh, very sad. So sad. So, oh, <laughs> speaking of sad moments, this is... This is probably the saddest moment, I think, in Star Wars is the last time Anakin and Obi-Wan talk to each other. Mm. 
And they're just so happy. I know. It's cute. And it's the last time they see each other. That's one of my... I love that because the shadow goes over Anakin's face right as Obi-Wan leaves. And it's so... It's such a good film moment. Because oh, it it's is. like, oh, he's gone. Now havoc is about to happen. Yeah. When Obi-Wan's out of the room, it's not all, going all well. All hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. <laughs> it's... Ugh. Oh, man. If you've never taken a good look at the lighting choices in Revenge of the Sith... You definitely should go back and pay attention to Mm -hmm. it because it tells you a lot about what's going on. Totally. I think the one that comes to my mind right now is when Padme and Anakin are together and she's like, hold me like you did, by the way, whatever, right? (laughs) (laughs) And the really weird hairpiece is happening. Yeah, the weird hairpiece. Half of Anakin is all dark. It's like well, it's the, the clouds. clouds. The clouds yeah. behind them. The clouds behind them are super dark, and it's like a storm is rolling in. But with Padme, it's all sunny. The sun is over there. It's like, like the sunset. Yeah, it's it's so stark. It's so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. You should you should definitely take it. Here's your to do list. Okay, <laughs> Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Rewatching no. the prequel trilogy. Rewatching the prequel trilogy, and pay attention to light. Yes, the use of light. <laughs> Indeed. So you have two weeks to do that <laughs> for when we come back for our next episode. So, so we'll be sure to check in on you. <laughs> yes. Um, my favorite music cue is Across the Stars. I think it's tragic and sad and romantic, and I love it. I think it's nice that we see something similar to Across the Stars in Rogue One with um, uh, my your father, father, your, your father, father would, would be proud, proud of you. Would just be proud. Your <laughs> father would be proud. <laughs> I think it's nice to kind of see a similar score because Across the Stars really does kind of stand on its own. There's nothing really like it Mm-mm. throughout the rest of the Star Wars universe, and especially going into Episode Seven, we don't see something similar to it. Mm-mm. But it is nice yeah. to have that same tone. In, in comparison to Han Solo and the Princess, though, which are you know you can compare, can compare these two love themes. Han Solo and the Princess is. Hopeful, strong, and bright, and Across the Stars is, like, the back half of Across the Stars is super dark and, like... Super sad. Yeah. And it's just very telling. Well, I mean, what's interesting about that, too, is that Han and Leia didn't get a happy ending. I know. Even though they had that hopefulness, they didn't get a happy ending together. Okay. Don't make me sad. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I mean, it is sad that the majority of the prequel trilogy is sad. Yes. But it just, it emphasizes, it emphasizes Luke, Mm -hmm. really, and what he's able to do. Totally. And hopefully what he's going to continue to do in the sequel trilogy, maybe through Rey Mm -hmm. or maybe on his own. Yes. And we'll talk more about that in the sequel trilogy. Part three, the sequel trilogy. Welcome back to Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. Here we are for part three, the sequel trilogy. The sequel trilogy, which so far is just The Force Awakens. Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So this discussion is going to be a little different because obviously we can't really speak to the larger themes and character arcs that have happened in the sequel trilogy because they don't exist yet. No. Well, some of it exists. Yeah. Ryan Johnson knows Mm -hmm. what's happening next. Lucasfilm knows. Lucasfilm knows, but we don't. So Mm -hmm. we're really just going to be talking about our initial impressions of The Force Awakens and our current impressions of The Force Awakens. And kind of a little bit about what we hope will happen for these next two films. Definitely. The Last Jedi 
and episode nine. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when we saw The Force Awakens, you know, I think it's important to realize that, like, I had zero idea what we were going into, like, (laughs) what we were going to be watching, what we were, like, you know what I mean? I know exactly Exactly what you mean. I had, like, no idea what characters these people were going to be. I, you know, I hope I was really excited by the prospect of Ray. I dressed up as her. <laughs> I was really excited. I was so excited. I became her. And I loved it immediately. I, I loved it. Oh, it was yeah. like flawless to me. And I was so entertained and emotionally moved. And it was great. And I thought it was really a fantastic addition and rebirth of the Star Wars saga on film. I had trouble placing it. You know, people like to put it in their order. I struggle with that. I still struggle with that. Yeah, it's. It's hard to place it. Yeah. I think I we have very similar opinions about The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know initially it was the first – it wasn't the first movie, Star Wars movie I saw in theaters because I did see The Phantom Menace 3D and The Clone Wars movie. movie. But it was the f- the first, like, big blockbuster Star live Wars. action yeah. that I didn't know what was happening. So seeing in IMAX, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away for the first time in a packed theater – with like a bunch was, of other fans, was it was crazy. Was that experience alone? It was so fantastic. Makes I, up for like, any flaws I might have with the movie. Totally, but it was so, flaws. There are, yeah, th- you know, there are flaws, and, and you know, no movie is perfect. I I know that. I mean, we just talked about how like we loved it and it was fantastic. But Caitlin and I did look at each other when. Uh, Starkiller Base was shown, and we're like, oh my god, another Death Star, another here we go. Death Star. <laughs> the third movie with a Death Star as the central action piece. I mean, it's different because it's built into the planet. Oh yeah, it's it different. It functions differently, but, but... the battle of blowing it up, I mean, the thermal oscillator, are you kidding me? It's a, <laughs> it's a thermal exhaust port. Like, it's the same thing. A rose by any, any other name. name. Still, Still a rose. Exactly. Just threw some Shakespeare yeah. up in this <laughs> Star Wars discussion. Yes. <laughs> you don't see that on every Star Wars podcast, do you? No. <laughs> Luke. Oh, Luke. Wherefore art thou, Luke? Indeed, though. The island. <laughs> the end. The, the end. <laughs> Literally. The Force Awakens is so hard because it is such a, it's such a parallel to A New Hope and not in a good way. Um, I think that, and I think a lot of other people have commented on this. It's almost like beating a dead horse. Yeah. But it, the plot is so similar to A New Hope, both plot-wise and, and visually. Visually. Too. I mean... Jakku. It should have just been Tatooine. Yeah, if you're going to have a desert planet, just I, make it Tatooine. I really need a bigger exclamation why they wanted Jakku instead of Tatooine. Is it just to reveal... That it's not Tatooine? Yeah, it raised parentage and to raise questions and, like, make you think about that. Is it, like, a huge red herring? I don't get it. I, it bothers me. It bothers me, too. I like... You could have kept the whole isolation thing, mm-hmm. but you could have moved her to another planet. Yeah. That was different. But, I mean... At the same time, you know, Anakin and Luke were both on Tatooine. And if she's not a Skywalker, which if you listen to our theories episode, you know that I don't think she's a Skywalker. Yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all, I don't even know. She can't be on Tatooine if she's not a Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I just don't know. I, I think that, <laughs> I think there is something interesting and story-wise about how they have to, like, prove that she had, like, a really hard life. Because in the desert is, like, a really harsh environment. And that's why they did it. But at the same time... I think it's just a little bit too much of on the nose. A rainy environment. If she lived in a rainforest environment that was raining 80% of the time, though, that would be a really harsh environment. 
like a a Ray Tarzan type character. Uh, yeah, if Ray was in the rainforest, <laughs> yes, <laughs> they can make an alphabet book out of it. It would be great. Ray so in true. the rain. <laughs> yeah, but they. Yeah, I think the desert planet was a wrong move. But we don't know. In, these kinds of things are hard to judge because we don't have hindsight. I know we're just judging it on a singular movie, and it's hard yeah. because, like, we talked about A New Hope stands on its own. The Force Awakens won't Doesn't. stand on its own because it still has so much canon that comes before it and two movies and a bunch of spinoffs that come after it. Yeah, but it's not supposed to stand on its own. No, and that's okay. Didn't George already have the rights to the sequels when he pitched Star Wars? I'm not sure, but I think so. There's something like that. I can't remember the exact history, but George knew that he was going to make the the next two movies. Mm -hmm. I don't think the studio He wanted to. Yeah, Yeah, he wanted to, but there was always the off chance that he might not. Mm -hmm. So... A New Hope does stand on its own. Yeah. Whereas Force Awakens... It's built on the shoulders of what came before, but also it has the biggest cliffhanger ending in, like, recent cinema that I can think of. Yeah. And, like, legitimately a cliffhanger. It, it's only a cliffhanger, though, because we all know who Luke is. Yeah. You know, if The Force Awakens just existed on its own, I mean, I guess it would be interesting to be like, oh, is that Luke? Is mm-hmm. that Luke? Luke, Yeah. But we all know it's Luke, Luke, and we're all like, oh, my God, Luke. <laughs> Don't end there. I know. When it, when the music swell, swells right there. Yeah. Such a great piece. Oh, gosh. <laughs> They're walking up the steps. I remember the first time, and mm-hmm. I was thinking. Caitlin, Caitlin audibly was like, it's going to end here. It's I ending. know. This is it. I know. This I, is like, it. This, I can't believe they're ending it here. They this always is end not a happening. Star Wars movie with a musical montage, and that's what you got. This is not happening. <laughs> no. I thought, this is not happening to me, my <laughs> beloved Luke. <laughs> I'm sure people had a lot of very similar reactions. Yeah, I think they did too. (laughs) But on the flip side of not loving the plot of The Force Awakens, though, I think the characters, that is what stands out about The The, Force Awakens. Yeah, The Force Awakens, you know, with the distance from it, you see that The Force Awakens really was about introducing these awesome characters. And I cannot wait to see what sort of arcs we get with them. Yeah, the movie is for the characters. Mm -hmm. It's not for the plot. And the thing is, is that I think that the plot does set up a stage that shows these characters almost like a different way. Like, Rey is different from Luke. And, you know, and we know that because we have this memory of uh, A New Hope and what came before. So we can compare it. I don't know. I I just wish the plot had some kind of something Different. Different. And, you know, I really hope that going forward with The Last Jedi in Episode 9, that Lucasfilm learns from the fact that people don't really want to see a rehash of A New Hope. Instead, we want to see them taking risks and those risks paying off. Speaking of risks, Mm -hmm. so someone on Twitter sent us this, like, crazy theory about (laughs) Rey and Kylo Mm -hmm. and... I think we should talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. So it's really interesting because we got this theory about how we've talked about it before on our previous podcast about how we think it'll be really interesting if Rey is a Kenobi, what's going to happen since Kylo is the Skywalker. Yeah, and how, how those dynamics will work. Yeah, and how we think, well, we don't know if, if Rey is going to be a Kenobi, mm-hmm. but we're pretty certain that Kylo is going to be redeemed and thinking about how that redemption is going to come about. We got a Twitter message about this that was proposed the idea that in episode eight it will be kylo who is redeemed but ray will fall to the dark side so then in episode nine mm-hmm. it is kylo who has to redeem ray and so if, it's the skywalker redeeming the kenobi if she is in fact a kenobi, kenobi. 
You know, if, Whoa. She, if she's a Skywalker, then it's a Skywalker redeeming Skywalker, which is also quite interesting in itself. It is. But it's so cool. I love that theory. I think it's something so out of the park because, and this is another thing that, you know, when we're talking about the future of Star Wars and specifically the saga films, we want to see something new. How can you begin to top the the cliffhanger, the, the oh crap moment of Vader revealing that he's Luke's father? Like nothing beats that. No, that's the biggest shocker of, in film history. It has and to be. And so The Last Jedi's got to do something. That's going to be able to compete. And totally. I think if you had Kylo redeemed and Rey fall to the dark side, the thing is, yeah. Blow people's minds. The thing is, is that I know that I really, and this is sad, but I really wanted to see Leia play a big role in Kylo's redemption. Yeah, and, I think we all did. Yeah, and you know, I hope, you know, there is a way. Okay, so say Leia's scenes were all recorded and, you know, she had rapped. Carrie had rapped. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they could cut it together so that she is in episode nine. We don't know, like, how it's going to end. But, like, they could use part of what they recorded for The Last Jedi in episode nine yeah. and then extend it. So I think there is probably, like, a shakeup going on in Lucasfilm to try to extend her in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. And, yeah. like, give her her due. But I had wanted you know leia and luke to be a little bit more involved in this story and while i love our new characters i love finn i love ray i love poe i love kylo yeah. like i love them all i still want that story to be finished and i think that we need that i think we do too i mean it's gonna be hard to even theorize about what they might do i know it's hard with, with leia with, with with any of them really it's so um but especially with our with our, our legacy characters yeah. It's more difficult, especially given, you know, the circumstances. It's also so, like, it's so interesting because with that Claudia Gray book, Bloodline, we Mm -hmm. got Leia dealing with her own, like, revelations about her parentage, and I thought that was always, like, such an interesting... Thing that they dealt with and in the book but yeah in the book and it, nev- it never got dealt with in return of the jedi i mean like she has this moment where she's on endor and she's like oh my god mm-hmm. not only is luke my brother but vader's my father too like what yeah in like the span of two minutes this all happens and, and then looks like peace out yeah bye <laughs> like <laughs> she doesn't get that moment of like oh no, this is who I am. But like, we need to see that on screen. I really want that on screen. And like, I don't know if we're going to get it. And that's what's sad. I don't know if we will either. Um, I hope we do. But yeah, I, I think what I really hope for the rest of the sequel trilogy is that we see something completely brand new, both story-wise and also technology-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, they made such a big deal in The Force Awakens about using practical effects, like everything <laughs> when was they used a lot effects, of CGI. When they used a <laughs> lot of CGI, which is if, fine. It's fine. Use yeah. CGI. It's, Just, the, it's the dawn of the new world. Like, let's do it. But it's the 21st century. century. But own up to it, too. Yeah. Um, because I think that just... That was a PR move. It was such a PR move. And when you think about it, we really have George Lucas to thank for CGI as we know it today. Yeah, totally. And blockbuster movies. You know, the list goes on. The list goes on. (laughs) And we won't get into that list now because it's a long list. Um, (laughs) But, you know, yeah, totally. They need to take a lot more rest. And I think that's something great that Rogue One did. I mean, talking about the future of Star Wars, anthology films are part of that, too. And how people have had a lot of comments about either you loved it or you hate it the CGI of Tarkin and Leia. Mm-hmm. It wasn't brand new because they did it in Tron. But the way that technology had advanced from Tron to Rogue One is crazy. Totally. And the fact that 
a lot of people bought the Tarkin and Leia in Rogue One. Yeah, my parents didn't even know. I did tell my mom. I was like, yeah. you realize he's dead, right? <laughs> and she was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Wait, what? Yeah, and it wasn't some <laughs> kind of found footage thing. Now, do I think they could have done some sort of found footage thing with Leia? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I think Tarkin, that was just amazing to me that they were able to push the envelope that far. My jaw was on the floor. Yeah, and yeah, there were some moments that weren't the best but like the technology is still growing totally. and the fact that rogue one was able to go after it and attack that kind of use of technology even if it wasn't 100 percent perfect like we would want it to be i think is really gutsy and i think that's part of the legacy of star wars too and i think if disney is going to own lucasfilm they need to be taking those same kinds of risks all the time not just rehashing the past totally and not just rehashing the original trilogy too but bringing it full circle for all of our trilogies mm-hmm. prequels included Yes. Attack of the Clones. everything let's include the whole song Clean kennedy has made such a point in talking about how it is the skywalker saga so like let's bring it back you know yeah like Like, i think we're forgetting it home like 50 percent of our skywalker (laughs) family i know right it's not just vader it's anakin and Mm -hmm. padme Padme. Hmm. Hmm. okay so what is your (laughs) favorite moving on from that before we dive too deep what is your favorite music cue you know i was gonna say race theme typical which i think everyone was gonna say (laughs) but after we were just talking i I think I'm going to go the Jedi steps. steps. Oh, so good. Of the last part of the movie. That's so good. The Jedi Jedi steps steps is so so good. It's so good, right? It's also unique. Just like, yeah, it is very Just like Ray's theme. You know, if someone is taking risks, it's John Williams. You go, John Williams. (laughs) You Um, go. I love the Scherzo for X-Wings. Scherzo for X-Wings is so So good. good. It's a great moment. It's so fun. It's such a Star Wars moment. (laughs) Yeah, it is. That is Star Wars. I'm feeling it. I'm living it. I'm for it. Yeah. You know, people didn't like scream at John Williams' new, um, the force awakens as a orchestral album and it bothers me because it came with so many new themes and it's so good i think this is not a problem but i mean i'll say problem i don't mean the word problem but when you look at the star wars fandom everyone is so used to how star wars sounds and looks from the original trilogy that sometimes it's hard to accept and be excited about the new things that are coming into the universe um like ray's theme and the the jedi steps you know they're so different and because they don't remind you of the original trilogy a lot of people i think can jump to the conclusion that that's bad Mm -hmm. and that's not bad it's just different and it's growing and expanding our universe and i bet in 30 years people are going to feel about the jedi steps the way they do about binary sunsets totally i hope so that moment at the end that you know we were talking about that before to relate to my original trilogy favorite parts the thing is is that i love how they trust the audience there you Mm -hmm. don't get any dialogue but you know what you don't really need dialogue we can wait until the last jedi it's sad to wait, it's but we can sad. wait. And that moment of Ray handing over the lightsaber, yeah. it is so meaningful. And it is. that's all you need is the action and the music. It's very true. That That's the kind of parallel that's a good kind of parallel. Uh-huh. It doesn't need to be moments, so on the nose. It doesn't need to be hitting you in the face with it. Mm-mm. It the doesn't. S- subtlety is good. Overall, though, I love the we're Force so Awakens. excited <laughs> about The Last Jedi. And, and our characters yeah. and the music and what's to come. And I wholeheartedly heartingly trust Lucasfilm. What if The Last Jedi is Kylo? Because you know Rey what? has fallen to the dark side. Well, we've seen in the translation that it is plural, so it could be Luke, Luke and, and Kylo. Kylo. Which I think it probably was at one point Luke and Kylo. Guys, I'm so excited. Yeah, I really so hope excited. that. I really can't wait ho- for discussions to come. Oh, I can't boy. can't wait for discussions <laughs> to come. We're so close. We're now in March, so now we only have 10 months to go. It's more like nine months, Kaylin. Yay! 
So that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Sky Talkers, This Galactic Life. We are going to be back in two weeks. Count them. One, two. Two. (laughs) And you can find us every other Saturday here on the Assembly of Geeks Network, also at skytalkers.com and on Twitter at skytalkerspod. Oh, you can find us everywhere. You can find us everywhere. (laughs) You can also find us on our personal Twitters, Mm -hmm. too. Um, All that information is going to be listed below. And we just really wanted to take a second, again, to thank you guys so much for all of your kind words and messages. And support. And support. It has meant the world to us and being able to know that people are listening is really important for us and we've just really enjoyed hearing your comments especially about the theories Mm -hmm. (laughs) those have been some of our favorite comments so far so we really appreciate it and we are really excited got a lot of fun things planned for you guys in the next couple months especially with celebration coming up yes we'll be going to celebration we we have some announcements about that later yeah all right well we're gonna be signing off and may the force be with you may the force be with you We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sky Talkers, This Galactic Life, part of the Assembly of Geeks podcasting network. Find the girls on skytalkers.com and we'll see you next time.